Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So, stay with us, as right now, we present. Welcome to the show, everybody, and I'm glad you're here. And whether you are a baby boomer or a baby boomer wannabe, uh, you're going to like this show because we've got a great guest uh, who's with us today. It's Mark Joseph, a.k.a. Grandpa Jeffries. He's a children's author, and uh, I Don't Want to Turn Three is the name of the book he's put out. He's also he's also uh, a, a small business author that works with people that are uh, trying to fight the big, bad Walmart thing going on. And, and so he's written a couple of books, and he's also co-founder of a website called uh, babyboomer.org. And if you go there, Positive Talk Radio is on the front page. So I hope that everybody has an opportunity to check that out. It's a, it's a great. Well, uh, let me ask him about it. Mark, welcome to the show. How are you? Great. I appreciate you inviting me. Thank you. Well, you're more than welcome to be here because not only is Positive Talk there, you've got a bunch of other stuff going on on um, baby boomer and i just want to um you know talk to you about how it came to be and were you guys having a bottle of scotch one night saying we need to do something about this you know baby boomer stuff and how did how did it come to be well it's myself and three other baby boomers are the partners who started uh, baby boomer not work and you know as, as we were connecting during COVID, you know we, we found that the the a lot of the baby boomers, a lot of the grandparents were getting involved, and there was a lot of uh, chance to to bring together some information. You know, the baby boomer generation is as diverse as any other generation before or after it. You know, when you think about the politics and the diversity of religion and, and the ideas about, the, it just it just separates us. But the one thing the baby boomers have in common is a shared experience. You know, when we were growing up, you know, I only had uh, uh, three television stations I could watch when I was growing up. You know, we had landlines. That's how we were able to talk to each other, communicate with each other. So we all got the same information. You know, baby boomers grew up during the generation where the, the Kennedys were assassinated. Martin Luther King was assassinated. You know, we were the generation that was there when the landing on the moon. Yeah, we were there when birth control became very widespread. That was part of our generation. Growing oh, that's up. true. You know, and Vietnam, you know, it, it, it had a major influence on our generation. That, you know, we were, for, for Kent State, we were there, uh, you know, riots in the streets. But all those things were happening, which we've had these shared experiences growing up. But at the same time, we had the music. You know, you think about the baby boomer generation and music, whether it's Elvis or the Beach Boys or the Beatles or Three Dog Night or, you know, Supremes or even the Association. These are musical groups of music that we all grew up on and we are still singing. I hear my wife singing it today, you know, some of these songs back from those days. You know, with the movies, we, we grew up with the same movies, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, you know, Jaws, really any of the Spielberg movies, uh, Animal House, Star Wars, The Godfather. That's what brought us together. So we built this site not only to celebrate how we grew up and what we brought us together, but you know what we're offering, what we need now, what our life is full of now. You know, we've got information on retirement and finance and travel. 
in pickleball. You know, that's what we're doing now. But but we're really trying to deal with the new challenges that the baby boomers are, are, are facing. Technology, yeah. What you and I are doing wasn't around when we were growing up. Not know, a bit. Not a bit. Yeah, you know, technology, the challenges of technology, the phones, the internet, and also all the health issues we're facing, whether it's Alzheimer's or dementia. So we've pulled all that information all together in one place so that we as the baby boomer generation can look at the past, look at where we are today, and think about the future. You know, we are of the, there aren't very, I was talking about this just the other day on on the air, and we were talking about uh, favorite shows, and I said, well, you know, you have to be of a certain age to remember the pilot episode of Gilligan's Island on network network tv or or the brady bunch or when the monkeys came out or when the um um, the partridge family was was there and you may have seen all of these shows and reruns on nick at night and that kind of stuff but there was something about being there for the very first episode of those shows or saturday morning cartoons they used to only have cartoons on Saturday morning and uh, and stuff. So, you know, we've got lots in common, that, that, but you have to be of a certain age to appreciate those things, you know? Yeah, you know, this whole streaming thing that we're, uh, really is a whole different world. We never got streamed. We had to be there. <laughs> we had to sit in front of the television to watch a show. You know, yes. we, we, we had to listen on the radio to hear the music. So, so. You know, it's just a whole different world. Now, is it a better world? Probably. You know, it, it probably is. But we still have this nostalgia that we all grew up on. And those are the common things that, you know, when you get together with a bunch of baby boomers, that's what we start talking about. You know, we start singing the songs, talking about the movies, and, the, you know, and then, and then starting to complain about our grandkids and our children. And, and you know, how many times do we have to go to the doctor now? Yeah, so, so you know. <laughs> This really is a commonality of our generation. Well, yeah, and current generations will never appreciate when, remember, in the in August and early September of the, the years gone by, when they would have the opening of the new TV schedule. And they would have previews of all the shows that were going to be on. And, oh, it's premiering September 15th or 18th or whatever it was. They don't do that anymore. It's just so, you know, there was a certain there were lots of things that may be better, but there are some things that that were exciting and were fun for us to to be part of. And and another one that, that I find terrible these days is free agency in sports. There was a time when and I'm sure that if you're a sports fan, you were the same way. I could tell you I was a Baltimore Colts fan. And I can tell you that Johnny Unitas was there and, and Tom Matkey and and Mike Curtis and Bubba Smith and 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 uh, and all those guys. They were on the same team for years and years and years. Now it's to the highest bidder and people come and people go. I asked my son the other day because the Mariners are in the play- playoff race. And I, and I said, do you watch the Mariners? And he says, I don't even know who's on the team anymore. Because, you know, Ken Griffey went away and, and Alex Rodriguez. So, you know, th- those days, 
even though times are different now, there's a lot of things that I miss about those days. Well, you know, it, it, television really brought the family together. I can remember Sunday nights with Ed Sullivan. I mean, we would drop everything else. And my family, my grandmother would come over, my uncle would come, and we'd all watch it together. I mean, it really was was part of the family. You know, something because, again, you couldn't stream it and watch it on Monday night. You had to be there. Otherwise, you'd miss it all. Exactly. One of the one of the tragedies of my life happened on Sunday night in front of the TV because uh, on the Ed Sullivan show in February of 64, the Beatles made their initial appearances and my sister and my parents wanted to watch Bonanza instead. So so I got shoveled off to bed so they could watch Bonanza. And you probably only had one television. So that was it. it. That was it. And it was black and white. Yes. You know, good old black and white. You know, back then, you know, that's when we didn't have cell phones or the internet or cable TV. Uh, We didn't have remotes. You know, I was my dad's remote. He said, son, go change the channel. (laughs) That's the way it was. But uh, it was a good time to be together as a family. So it's different now. So you got to ask yourself, how do we stay together as families like we did when we were growing up? And, you know, we are. There, but there's different ways. There's different ways that we're communicating with our children and our grandchildren um, because we're all not living in the same town anymore. We're all scattered all over the country. Yep. Yep. And the cool thing now is with the website, uh, babyboomer.org, you can live some of that nostalgia, but you can also bring people fast forward to today of what's going on because you've got tons of information on there that helps us folks that are a little longer in the tooth on how what's going on today and how do technology works and how we can do different things you've got what what do you have a thousand computer uh, uh, contributors now yeah you know and technology is really the one thing that we found that we our generation wanted and needed you know you got to realize that I, I didn't get on the internet till i was four years old now yeah. you know now my kids my grandkids as soon as they come out of the womb Boom, they're on the internet. They got their cell phones. You know, they've got this whole different world that we never had growing up. So, you know, technology is something that our generation is a little bit behind of everyone. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've asked my grandkids to show me something on the phone or on the internet, you know, just to explain it to me, though I know know it better. So we've got the experts uh, from our generation and younger generations that are that are teaching us. In fact, we have classes that people could take on that. You know, on, on how to, to become smarter and savvier on the internet because you know that's how we have to communicate with with our families now you know it's it's you know, you would hope that you could pick up the phone and, and call them but sometimes you have to text them sometimes there's other ways you got to get a hold of them and so but so so we got to keep up with that and so we've got to make sure we're on top of that so that we can communicate with our grandkids as if we were there with them It's an amazing thing the way technology is able to, because people are so, you're right, they're spread out all over everywhere, but we can get together on a Zoom call. And it's real easy for even us old folks to understand how Zoom works and to get on a Zoom call. And then we can see the grandkids as they're growing up and and to really get involved with the fabric of each other's families. Well, let me tell you something that, happened to us and i'm sure your listeners can probably uh, come up with their own ways to do the same thing with technology um you know 
we had uh, one of the reasons that I wrote my book, uh, I Don't Want to Turn Three, is I had the opportunity to have all six of my grandkids during COVID in my house for six weeks because there wasn't anything else to do. So they all came home for a while, um, which gave us a chance really to, to get to know them and, and grow. But, but uh, two of my kids had to go back to Austin, Texas, and two of my grandkids had to go back to Orlando, Florida. So, you know, when kids are two, three, four, five, six years old, you know, they don't pick up the phone and call you. It, it, you. You hope so, but you're not top of mind. They're living for for the immediate uh, what's going on. So how do you communicate? How do you how do you remember who they are? So in, in our particular case, we learned very early on that these two, three, four, five, six year old kids, you know, they love dinosaurs. It's like wow. their language. Uh, they can. I mean, these my, my three year old. They can pronounce these big long names of these dinosaurs. They can tell me, you know, if they eat meat, who they fight with. Yeah, I, you know, I know dinosaurs is small, medium, and large. They can tell me everything that's going on. It's it's their language. It's the little kids' language that they all can relate to. In fact, you know, I had a couple of my grandkids last weekend. I took them over to the park, and they ran into kids around their same age. Within three minutes, they were all talking dinosaurs. It's the language of little kids. So we decided that we've got to be able to talk in their language. Um, so what we did once our kids left our house, went back to their normal things is we, we figured out how do we get into the routine? You know, the routine of most kids today, are, you know, they, they take their bath, they read a book, they go to bed. Yeah, so how can we become part of that so that they don't forget who we are? So, you know, we had half a dozen dinosaurs that we keep around our house. And uh, they all know them because they all were playing with them for a while. So we decided that every night we would put the dinosaurs doing something different. So one night they were in the refrigerator eating. Uh, the next night they were by the sink helping grandma wash dishes. You know, the next night they were playing the piano. The next night they were walking up the steps. So we had 50 different nights where the dinosaurs were doing something different around our house. Uh, because the kids were here, so they understood what our house looked like, what our yard looked like, and so that they could relate. So what happened to us, because we were able to, to figure this out, is we became part of the routine. One of the little kids, you know, they take their bath, and then they would read their book, and then they would say to their mom and dad, what are the dinosaurs doing tonight? Let's call Gramps. So they would, uh, they would uh, call my wife's iPhone. we get on FaceTime, and they wouldn't even ask. they said, where's Gramps? Where's Gramps? What are the dinosaurs doing tonight? And, and so that's how we communicated and kept in touch with these kids who, you know, because when, when I was growing up, my grandmother lived a couple blocks away. My uncle lived up the street. That's how we communicated. You don't do that anymore. You got to do it through exactly what you're talking about, through Zoom calls, through FaceTime. And so, so I just urge anyone listening that I'm sure they can have a way to communicate with these little kids because it's important. It's important for us as the, the elder generation to still be in life, uh, lives of these kids, to help them grow up and be better. I couldn't agree more. And also to get the benefit of, okay, I know some people say, ah, come on, you're just old. But we've got a wealth of experience that we've gained over our lifetime that we can impart upon uh, younger kids and even even, heaven forbid, our grown-up kids who tend to think of us as, ah, oh, they're old. But you know, the, all of us have got life experience, and we can, and they can utilize that if we can get together enough to be part of that. And and when you're in different cities, it's really hard to do, but technology is helping with that. Yeah, you know, when you think about it, uh, 
every decade that we get older, we learn more because we make a lot more mistakes. And so as you make these mistakes, you start to learn more. And by the time you're 50, 67 years old, you've made enough mistakes that you really know a lot of stuff uh, because you've learned from it. And so it's one of our jobs as the elders to pass that on. You know, again, these, these little kids, they come out of the, the womb, they're on the internet, they've got all these great technologies. They're, this is the smartest generation this country has ever produced. And it's being fueled by them being able to be educated why they're so young. And then it's up to us as the elders to, to balance that and let, give them out, teach them how to go out and play, teach them how to have fun, you know, and, and we, we should be able to do that and communicate with that and let them know about our knowledge. Try to, try to save them some of the heartache we had to go through as kids by what we have learned. So you're absolutely right. We may be getting older, but we are getting wiser. Well, you know, and the fun thing is, too, the reality is we're not going to be around forever. And I, we're, we're going to, hopefully, we're going to be gone long before our grandchildren um, meet their demise and stuff. But it is great that we can leave them with some wonderful memories, like your dinosaur story. And that is, you're going to leave your grandchildren with, they're going to sit around, picture this, if you will, they're going to sit around one time at a dinner table and the six of them are going to be there if they're all together. And they're going to start talking about, remember when Gramps would, get, would do the dinosaur thing? And then that would lead to another story about you and your wife and what you've done. And so you, you're taking the grandparent thing seriously. And that's really is important. And that the, um, um, babyboomer.org helps people with that and to understand a little bit about that because it's great that you're going to be remembered by your family and then the grandkids and their kids and so your memory will go on and on well think about it think about what do you remember from your grandparents do you have things that, that still get to you that, 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 that help you just in day in day out living oh sure oh sure my i had a favorite grandmother and uh, my my kids know about her. Never met her. She had passed away before they became aware. And um, and I've got lots of stories about her and my grandpa and and uh, uh, my other grandpa and stuff and stuff. So they are, they're aware of these people, but they they're coming from me. Um, and nowadays you can even do things and record people so that. When, as an example, I did an interview and a recording of my father before he passed away. So we actually played him telling a story in his voice at his memorial service. And we can do things like that today. Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of why the this generation in our society society is just getting better. Because we can do that. And before, we just may have had pictures. So yeah. I can mention on that. Well, and you are going to be a legacy and a legend in your family forever because of things like this podcast. This is going to be up forever. So they can put it in and the grandchildren are a little older. <laughs> I have to tell you, my uh, sister took her um, her kids to the ocean and they had nothing to do and nothing was on TV. So they played one of my podcasts. And one of the 10-year-old the girls said, <gasps> Kevin's on TV. 
and <laughs> you know, and it gives us a whole different. It gives them a whole different perspective of the people that we are. Well, you know, but the, the sad thing, and one of the reasons we created babyboomer.org is because too many grandparents just really don't care about their grandkids. You know, the, uh, there, there's a study done by uh, Sharon and Furstenberg that says that 30% means one, one out of every three of us, if there were three of us sitting here, one of us really wouldn't have an interest. They're called remote grandparents. They may show up at a birthday party or come at Christmas, but they, they don't really get involved with their grandkids lives you know the, the philosophy of a third of us is hey i raise great kids you know let them raise the kid their their children because i'm going to go play pickleball yeah so so we that's one of the reasons we started babyboomer.org is because there's just so many of us that are not involved in passing that knowledge on that we're talking about about you know influencing this this greatest generation and that's got to be all of our legacy is well, you know what can we do to make this newest generation much better than we ever were. Yeah, and and, uh, you're doing it through babyboomer.org to give information to grandparents on how to communicate better with their kids and grandkids. Well, you know, one of the reasons that a third of us uh, are not involved with our grandkids is that we got a problem with our own kids. So in other words, for instance, um, if, if, if you, your, your child marries somebody you don't like, you don't like their spouse, well, that's going to cause you a problem. You know, you're not going to be able to get involved in that. You know, if we give our children unsolicited advice, uh, you know, by telling them what to do, you know, they're going to, they're going to make sure that we're not involved in raising of these kids. You know, if we show up unsolicited, that's this going to make them mad. So we have caused a lot of the problem with how we are treating our own children and letting us get involved. You know, we're, we're undermining uh, the, the parents' authority by challenging, teaching them. You know, we, the, 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 they've got a certain way of raising kids and the way they're raising kids are better than we ever raised kids, you know? So we may question their values, that and their family structure, things like that. You know, that's one of the things that, that pushes us away from, from these little kids. We may, tend to play favorites. You know, I got six grandkids. You know, I've got a favorite, but I'm not going to tell you. I'm not even going to tell my wife uh, because, you know, you know that's going to cause problems. But, but you know, if that comes out, you know, that's going to be an issue where we, we get pu- pushed away. Uh, you know, we may be manipulating one sibling against the other. You know, we, we may influence them by doing, giving them gifts and money. You know, our kids don't want us to do that. You know, we, as we get older, may have an overall lack of empathy. You know, we're tough guys and gals. You know, we may not understand because I, I was with my grandkids a couple of days ago. They cry. You know, you got to understand why. <laughs> you know, you got to have that empathy. Why are they crying? What, what caused that? Uh, a lot of us don't have that empathy. You know, and, and then, you know we, we ask them to comply with us, respect us, and, and that may not be the case. You know, that, that turns them off too. So, a lot of the issues are us, and we have to be introspective and figure out, okay, what do we need to do to get over some of these issues so that we can influence these little kids? Yeah, it, it, well, in, in a positive way. And and not to, uh, well, it's like um, my, my kids 
are now in their 30s. And uh, I view that I am, I want to be known to them as a trusted advisor. That if they have a question, they can ask me um, and we can talk about it. If they don't want my opinion, then they won't ask and they won't give it. Uh, my my wife, on the other hand, still believes that she is their mother. And uh, when your mother talks, you listen. And that has a tendency for a 30-year-old man to say, wait a minute, you're, you're not my mother anymore and you're older now and stuff like that. So it is, you know, it's a different, it's a style of how you want to approach your kids and, and then by, by virtue of that, your grandkids and, and stuff like that. I choose to be, I've already done the raising part. If I screwed up, that's too late. They're already on their own. And uh, so now it's up to me to, to just be, if they, I'm there for them, anytime they want me to be, they know that but I'm not going to force myself on them. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, you got to stand back and say, what are the role of parents, the responsibility in today's world? With with this world that we've been talking about, with this instant information that we get, the uncertainty, the cruelty, the differences in ideas that is is all around us, what what is really the true role of today's parents? You know, obviously parents have to provide... Uh, their children with food and clothing, a place to live. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a given. You know, they, they have to give them financial support and medical care and the opportunity to, to receive an education. You know, that is what they are. They're, they're there to protect their children uh, from harm and provide a safe environment, especially in today's world, what's going on in these schools today. Um, so that's the role, you know, uh, the, the, the basic role. But the real role of parents, when you think about it, is they need to teach these kids honesty. Yeah, we need to keep teach our kids responsibility. We need to to, to teach our kids to be kind. Yeah, the, to, we need they need to be independent, but we need them also to teach them to be respectful of not only their parents, their grandparents, but the uh, teachers and so forth. We got to teach them to have positive thinking. You know, we got to teach them to keep thinking and uh, creativity. You know, I'm seeing that with my little kids. They a couple of them just love to draw. Yeah, let, let them be creative. Sure. You know, we got to teach them healthy eating habits and exercise. And then we also got to teach them things that we've been talking about is that success can be learned from failure. That's how we learned our successes from our failures. So we can teach them that they can, it's okay to fail, you know, so you can learn something. But the most important thing that we have to do and parents have to do is teach them to have fun. Because in this world, there's so much stuff going on that, you know, we got to get beyond that and just have fun like we did when we were kids. Exactly. I'm going to say something now that may be less appealing to some, and that is while you're teaching your kids good manners and to be kind and to have integrity, if they see unkindness, a lack of integrity, or or a downright meanness coming from you, to the waiter at, at, at the restaurant or the, or the person at the, at the checkout stand, then that's the example that they're going to take. So I would implore ev- people of every age to be kind, be considerate, be to say please and thank you to open up a car door for a woman to to even though they may not like it <laughs> anymore uh, but to be but to be genuine and kind to everybody and the kids will pick up on that as well yeah never lose sight we are their role models they imitate us you know if 
if we are on our yes. cell phones all day long and if we're watching the internet all day long and we're on television all day long at night, that's what they're going to learn to do. So we are the examples. We are the role models and never lose sight of that. Exactly. Exactly. And one of the role models for me is your magazine or your, your website, because uh, you've got, look at the, think about this. You've got almost 400 com, uh, contributors, 4,600 different articles, 54,000 podcasts. You must have a bunch of bandwidth. Um, 545 books. You can go on this site and never leave it for a, for a long time because you're adding stuff every day. So it's, it's really is you can really learn a lot from all of the information here and then and then work to apply it in your own life, which will then trickle down to the next generations as well. Don't you think? Yeah, I got a phone call from uh, one of our uh, visitors to the site. She says to me, says, you know, I was on your site for three hours. She says, I came in, I was listening to one podcast, but then I saw something else that I really liked and listened to that. Then I read this article and before I knew it was three hours and I was on your site. So she didn't know if that was good or bad. For me, that's great. Stickiness to the site is what you want, as you well know. Um, oh, but, yeah. Uh, and that's what we want to do. We want you just to get lost in stuff that just makes you a better person. Yes, indeed. And all four members are, are, are you all thrilled with the uh, progress of the, uh, of the, um, of the website? Yes. Our first year was for our phase one, which was to build what we thought was the best site with the best content to, for people to just, you know, be part of the baby boomer generation, appreciate what the baby boomer generation is about. Our next phase, which will be rolling out shortly, is to let the world know who we are. You know, that's that's let people because we're comfortable that now that we've got this great content on the site, that, that we just got to get people to come and then and hopefully they'll be sharing it. How many baby boomers are there in the United States? You know, we've got a very interesting kind of uh, generation. The, the baby boomers were born between 1946 and 1964. So it's 18 years. So it's you know, two decades. They're currently, you know, they're in the ages between 59 and 77. It's the true baby boomer generation. There are 76.4 million boomers in the U.S. And, you know, what's interesting is that number doesn't go down because uh, all the U.S. the immigrants that are coming in that are replacing the deaths of us dying. You know, there's a bunch of baby boomer immigrants that are coming to the U.S. I haven't so, thought of that. Yeah, cool. yeah. So, so it's it's good. It's going to hold a 70 million for a while. You know, baby boomers hold 53 percent of the wealth in the U.S. So, those two decades of uh, baby boomers. That's a lot of wealth. They hold 70 percent of the disposable income. So. You know, they're, they've gone through the part where they've gone through the house and, the, and their cars, and, you know, they've got 70% of our disposable income. 76% of baby boomers are homeowners. You know, and, and so the uh, a annual spend of a baby boomer is $63,000. So they're out there spending money. So it's important for this economy that, that they, you know, they, they keep alive and well. They still own 12 million businesses. You know, that is oh, wow. 60%. 12 million businesses, 60% of the U.S. small businesses. It's owned by baby boomers. So they're still active in these businesses. 
You know, their total net worth is $70 trillion. I don't even know what trillion is, but that's what it's worth, you know. And what's going to be interesting, and, you know, this is when our kids are going to be cheering, is, you know, the, the baby boomer generations expected to pass on an inheritance $30 billion, $30 trillion. You know, so so what a generation this is when you think about it. Well, you know, it's the it's a World War II generation post it's it's the children of the World War II generation because um all the guys that came home because World War II ended in 45 and all those guys came home, they got married and they had kids and were the product of those marriages of of those families that got together after World War II and and it was a great time for America and the blue collar uh, movement was huge. Um, I'd like to see it come back a little bit and, and stuff, but you know, we've, we've done our part now. It's uh, when I think overall, we've done a pretty good job. <laughs> well, ask your kids if they think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't remember. Well, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, there, there are certain things that we, could have done better let me just say that yeah that's for sure and you know that's that's when you think about it all of us now have our legacy to leave you know what is it that we could have done better you know, I, I i i when i was growing up in my 20s and my 30s i didn't spend enough time with my family i was so busy about you know the, the, to get ahead and become you know do my job and and, and do, you know I, I didn't spend enough time I, you know, I regret that. Um, you know, I'll, luckily the kids grew up okay and everything's fine. But you know, I think maybe that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm so focused on grandkids now is I need to get back to them because I didn't give it up back to my kids. That was part of our generation. You know, the competitive generation we were, uh, the, the generation we wanted to get ahead, the generation we wanted to make more money. You know, that was us. Uh, so, so you know, we all have regrets, but. You know, this is the time now where we leave that legacy to make up for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I remember I had to uh, uh, go on the road because I could make more money going on the road and traveling and, and selling uh, chicken across the country. I know that sounds like a weird thing to do, but <laughs> that was I was a traveling chicken salesman for a period of time. And because I could get... I could get paid a little bit more money doing that but but it came to a day when i was at a motel six in siloam springs arkansas having room service from mcdonald's and uh i was talking to my wife and she said i can't take this anymore you've got to come home so <laughs> so i i did that but, but we all have to make sacrifices and we did that willingly for our children um do, do they my kids have never really quite given me forgiven me for that um where were you when this happened where were you you were probably on the road and it's you know but but you, we did what we had to do and uh at least that's what i tell myself well you know the, the divorce rate in the 70s is 80 and 80s is twice what it is today and so that was all yeah. part of it too Oh yeah, and, and, you know the, the, we 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 created this this high divorce rate. Luckily, our kids now maybe it's because they're getting married later in life, maybe because they're smarter than we ever were. But I mean, for the divorce rate to be half of what it was back in the it peaked in the eighties, uh, you know that that says a lot for our society. That we, hopefully we've learned from our mistakes. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I have a lot of contemporary friends that graduated from high school with me, and they got married right out of school, and then they got divorced, then they got married again, and then they got divorced again, and then they got married again, and so a lot of them have had two or three marriages uh, in the course of their lifetime because we didn't manage it correctly, and maybe that was why we, how we were raised or or for whatever reason, but a divorce was, um, and it seemed to be kind of an easy fix. The earlier generation, nobody got divorced. It was a bad, it was taboo. You you didn't, even if you weren't necessarily happy, you stayed together, but we're children of the sixties. <laughs> for those who don't know what being children of the sixties is, make love, not war. And, and the flower people and the flower power. What were you doing in 68, by the way? I was still in high school. So, uh, so you, you and I are about the same age. So, so it was, uh, so you got, you watched from the sidelines, all the flower power and, and hate Nashbury and, and, and Woodstock and all of those, everything that was going on at that time. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, just a few years older than I was that, that we were, that, that was all happening. You know, I mean, but we all had at that time, we had draft numbers. You know, we were ready to go to the you know, for the Vietnam War. I still remember my draft number it was number seventy four. Did you have a draft number when you were growing up? I uh, graduated in seventy five, and they had discontinued the draft, and I never, I never had to get a draft number. Yeah, I mean, when I was growing up in the late sixties, my number was seventy four. The uh, the year before that, I was supposed to be called up. They called up to over two hundred. So. You know, I was convinced that as soon as I graduated from college, that I was ready to go to the Vietnam War, just like uh, my other contemporaries. But that's when Nixon went ahead and he eliminated the draft. Yeah. Yeah. Right then. Now, now the war. Now, what, what year did you graduate college? 74. Ah, yeah, because uh, Vietnam ended in 75, essentially. Um, and and they that was a whole big change. But. It's interesting. Do you remember the G.I. Joe? Oh, yeah, the little guy. Yeah. The, the little doll that yeah. in yeah, the sure. 60s, everybody had at least one or two or three G.I. Joes. And then during the Vietnam War, sales were so bad that they discontinued the G.I. Joe because the military was looked upon unfavorably. It's one of the stains on our generation or on the, our country in general is how we treated the Vietnam vet. When they came back from the war yeah and you know it's up to us now with, with the amount of homelessness going on today it's up to us we got to make up for that yeah, yeah. We, we, you know we got to make sure that because there were just so many of our generation that were forced into this war uh and and it's up to us now to take care of them we have to yeah half a million people fought in the war and fifty-eight thousand, i think is the number passed away in the war and but so many people were injured mentally um due to that war um over time so it was a, it was a real it was a real big big deal and and i don't know if a lot of kids today remember they don't remember because they weren't there but my memories of the vietnam war were very vivid uh, especially the news um they would show the um uh, casualty reports for each day and how many people were were uh, wounded and and killed and stuff? Do you remember that? 
Yeah, it goes again back to we have three television stations and they all just kept telling us the news. And that's how we got our news. It wasn't any other streaming service. So if we wanted to turn on the television, we knew about Vietnam. Well, now help me here because I remember, of course, uh, um, uh, Walter Cronkite was on uh, was on CBS News, and was it Huntley and Brinkley on on NBC? Yeah, and was it Peter Jennings on Channel Four or on ABC? Yeah, I mean it was. They were. It was all male. (laughs) It was all. It was. It was all. It was all Vietnam all the time. So we had to know about it. Yes, and and we got their viewpoint when hopefully it was, it was. But even even the viewpoints that they had about Vietnam turned out years later to not really be true, uh, what they were telling us at the time, if you remember. Yeah. So hopefully that taught our military what not to do in all the wars coming up. And so hopefully. it looked like it did. It did because we we haven't lost fifty thousand anymore. Fifty eight thousand again. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully we are, you know, we've learned, hopefully we've learned from history. That's, that's a, that's a big deal. And, and because we're still here, the 70 million of us, we have got a political voice that we can use for good for our country um, moving forward. Don't you think? Yeah. So why do you think we're not? The the government's going to shut down here this weekend. I mean, yeah. Uh, what what did we do wrong to allow that to happen? Uh, why haven't we learned from these sixties and seventy uh, years of, of being here in the United States to, to 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 make sure that doesn't happen? I don't know. And every time it happens, nothing good comes of it. Um, and so, and then they, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? What's your opinion? Yeah, you know, it's it's time for a younger generation to start running this country, uh, because what we I mean, look at look at the, everyone, all the the older senators and so forth. They've gone through the same thing we have. They've learned the same thing we've learned. You would think that they would stand up and say, "We can't do this again." Yeah, you know, we have to move forward as a united country. We have to get along. We have to do this. So. You know, if because of the baby boomers of the generation, you know, running the country now, it's time for us to step aside. Let's get some of these younger people in and maybe they will change the direction because it, you know, I don't think anybody's happy with the direction we're going right now. I would venture to guess you're right because it's not. uh, And plus the fact that, you know, I I have always been um, appreciative of the service that, uh, uh, Joe Biden has given the country as a senator and a vice president, but quite frankly, he should not run again. He should step aside. He's he's too old. He's too far removed. And we need young. We need young, vibrant people who can revitalize. What well, the different? You, well, you remember. You're old enough to remember John Kennedy. Oh, unbelievable! Absolutely. Yes. And the, the difference between what John Kennedy brought to the office and the sub, some of the subsequent presidents, it's it's undeniable and it's real because he was young. He was in his he had he had young kids that were, um, you know, crawling around the uh, Oval Office and stuff. And that's we need we need young, vibrant leadership again, I think. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, and the other, the other thing that that's been bothering me a lot lately is that you know the there is a void of teachers in this country. Yes, sir. You know, it it is uh, you know the Washington Post studied uh, 37 states this year, and those 37 states are short 49,000 teachers. So that means our kids are going into these schools with with empty teachers, empty classes. You know, you got to say to yourself, what is causing this the, the shortage in such an honorable profession? You know, this is a you know, I, I urge anyone who runs into a teacher to treat them just like we were talking about the war veterans and the uh, and the policemen and the firemen and thank them for their service because they are molding our kids of tomorrow. And so, you know, if you take a look at the, when they when they talk to teachers who have been uh, have left, you know, what is it on the exit interviews? They, they, obviously, we all hear about low pay. We know that one, but there's poor working conditions. There's poor supervision. That means the principals and the, the you know, they're, they're not getting the right direction. There's lack of support from the community. I don't know how it is up in the Seattle area, but down here in Arizona, I mean, these board men going to the school board is, it's a shame how much, uh, how much the lack of community uh, support there is out there. You know, teachers don't have the autonomy to teach you know, what they should be teaching is the, the changing of curriculum that is happening here and how we're, you know, deciding what books they read and what books they don't read. And, you know, obviously the rising, the school violence, you know, it's always a different school that's got a problem. So, you know, that's my big concern right now, that, that, that this is a profession that is educating our country for tomorrow. And how do we get people to go back into it and fill all these places? Because it is just so vital. Because we all know that, that we all can remember our teachers from third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, and who influenced you and how they changed your life. Uh, and so that's my big concern right now is how do we get more people to, 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 to get into this very honorable profession so they can teach our kids better than we can? We are... I, first of all, I agree with you completely. Um, and, and a couple of things. My, my um, niece is a teacher. And when she was in the classroom, she's doing um, something in the school district now. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but she's doing something. But um, when she was a teacher, um, with the number of kids that are coming, that are, are have developed uh, autism and special needs that are out there, they're not addressing those in a, in a way that, that works for the, for the other kids. So teachers spend an inordinate amount of time trying just to deal with the misbehaving kids because of their dysfunction of whatever it is. And so the kids aren't getting the, they, they've got too many kids in the classroom. They've got, uh, um, and they've got disabled kids that are taking up so much of their time. And I'm a sports fan, Mark. I'm embarrassed to say that I'm a sports fan. Um, there is a uh, um, quarterback that used to be in Seattle who's now in Denver, and he's getting paid a quarter of a billion dollars to play quarterback, and we can't give teachers a raise. Something's wrong with our country. And that's the team that like, had 70 points scored on them last weekend? <laughs> you're talking about? 
<laughs> that's, what, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Cool. And of course, they brought in this the quarterback, and they've got a new coach, and it's going to be great, and we're going to do. And they get hung up on seventy points. It's just amazing to me. You know, you're, and, you're absolutely right. We we we've, we've got to view this differently. We've got to treat them differently because they are really the ones that you know are influencing our kids during the day. Yeah, by the time we get them at nighttime, kids are already tired. So, so you're absolutely right. We've got to figure that out. We, we, we have, as a country, have got to. We've, we've got some. And this is one of the reasons why I'm. I support uh, babyboomer.org and I support the work that you're doing, is because as a, a baby boomer myself, and there's 70 million of us, we still can make an impact at the ballot box. And we can make an impact in our country and and bring it together in a positive way. Um, so you know, I hope that we do that. And we, uh, you know, we we, we all got to figure out how we're giving back. Now, I and this is just me. I happen to be a substitute teacher in the in the local uh, high school and middle school here. So I'm experiencing. So you know. Yeah, you know, I'm seeing these classrooms right up close. I'm seeing exactly what you talked about with the, the, the mixing the kids together and how do you keep discipline and all that. So you're absolutely right. We, you know, we have got to make sure that we take care of these teachers because that's the future. They can. Yeah. And well, I know growing up, I'm sure I did. I'm sure you did. You have a favorite teacher that will, that imprinted you in a positive way and you kind of carried that with you wherever you go. And I had several of those and coaches and, and important people in my life as well. So well, you, you, you think about it, there can be nothing that beats the moment when, when a student who's been struggling with a concept, you know, gets it, you know, the sight of joy, when it kind of clicks in for them and they truly celebrate the, that accomplishment there, there is nothing like that. From a, from a teaching standpoint, that the, the kid actually gets it. it. You know, it's one of the greatest rewards in teaching, you know, as it is one of the greatest rewards in being a parent or grandparent, to see that something you did or taught, and all of a sudden it clicks in and they get it. Yeah. You can't ask for a better feeling than that. Yep. That, that, and as a, as a teacher, you're going to have people that are going to come to you, Gears, Years from now, when you're just in middle age, um, people are going to come to you and say, I remember when you came and taught at our school and you really had an impact in, on me in a real positive way. And I can't think of anything more that's better than that, um, other than your grandkids saying that, too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so I, I really wish you well. I'm glad the, uh, uh, the website's doing as well as it, it is. Thank you for putting positive talk on there. We really appreciate having our our podcast there, as well as some really, really talented people. Um, so you could you could spend at fifty four thousand podcasts. You could get on that site and never leave again for the rest of your time, for, because you're growing them in a huge way, and the books and and the articles and and all of that. It's it's a great place to go. So go to babyboomer.org um, and. Uh, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, well, I know that you, you've got you've got ways for people to get a hold of you too. Oh, absolutely! Just you can email me at gramsjeffrey at gmail .com or mark m a r c at babyboomer org. Uh, you can find my books on Amazon 
or I've got uh, my own website, gramsjeffrey.com, and uh, I don't want to turn three. That's the name of the book with the letter th number three on it. And uh, so you can get a hold of me that way, or feel free to call, you know, because obviously we want to make sure uh, that this site is the most robust site for baby boomers. And if you've got ideas that we should put on it, let's do it. You know, that's, that's, that's the community that we have. You know, we're a very sharing community as us baby boomers, especially now that we're older. Yeah. And we, we love to share. And I, we want to make sure that the site has impact for you. And we want your kids to come on the site to learn a little bit more about you. And maybe your grandparents, your grandkids come on too. Exactly. That would, that would be great. Uh, as it, it, it's, it can be a whole family affair. Yeah. Right. So. I, I think that's awesome. By the way, Gramps Jeffries, a.k.a. Uh, Mark Joseph, has been our guest. And uh, go to uh, babyboomer.org. It, it, it will do you good. Thanks. And uh, anything else you'd like to say before we go? I think I'm freezing up, so I may be. Am I breaking up? Yeah, you're, you're freezing up. But I'll, let me leave you with this one thought. And that is that, uh, you know, one of the things we should be asking our children every day is, what did you do today that was nice to someone else? You know, at dinner time, you know, we, at my dinner time in our family, we just go around, the, what, was, what was the highlight of your day? What did you do today? But we need to be asking that question, what did you do today that was nice to someone else? You know, when you're a two, three, four, five-year-old little kid, you don't understand it. You know, what are my parents talking about? What are, they, what, are they, what are they trying to tell me? But, you know, if you ask it every single day, you know, then maybe one day they're going to open up the door for, for uh, someone like you were talking about. Maybe they're going to walk an old lady across the street. Uh, but, but if you ask a child every day, what did you do today that was nice to someone else? By the fourth or fifth day, they're going to want to give you an answer. And can you imagine how that would affect our society today, if everyone said that and did that, what did you do that was nice to someone else? This generation, if we could convince them to do this, will definitely be the one that leads this country, you know, for, for, for many, many generations to come. I couldn't agree more. And uh, next time we're together, I'll tell you a story about uh, walking somebody across the street. But, okay. uh, but <laughs> um, Mark Joseph, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. You got it. Thank you. And if you wait right there, I'll be right back. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to one another because each other's all we got.